So as we enter the, to dwell in the domain of the mind in meditation and a whole range of experiences happen, inspiration, joyfulness, determination, desire, memories, aversion, struggle, so everything, the whole spectrum of experience that is normally diffused over a whole range of external activities. You can see the the um, core of it right here, sitting, sitting, walking. Um, I think from the most uh, high, noble aspirations to the most kind of ferocious or demonic obsessions can be running. Um, yeah. It's quite breathtaking realization. <clears throat> so, and above all, simply, simply speaking, above all, one um, encouraged to develop a, a sense of presence and kindness <coughs> towards oneself <coughs> in simple terms open heartedness and kindness and compassion and uh, putting the compassion into action more than just an aspiration but compassion in action is is uh, caring for steadying soothing releasing the, the heart steadying the heart soothing it releasing it and to do this we have to uh, uh, penetrate, understand that and certainly it becomes a lot easier if one has a, has a comprehensive um, but kindly approach so it's not just sudden blasts of meditation but all round quality of, of holding oneself carefully so for a meditator the the, the um, you know, this kind of position or the, that we place ourselves in is rather like holding holding a bird. Use this phrase. So it's if you hold it too hard, you kill it or throttle it or that break its wings. If you don't hold it firmly enough, it flutters away and gets and runs around in circles. So it's a sense of gently holding something. So trying to hold one's experience one's apparent self carefully because we can even use teachings like not self as a kind of uh, as a, a scourge you know? so there isn't any self so anything any kind of selfishness is stupid <coughs> deluded uh, corrupt you haven't got the point yet you dummy so you can kind of beat yourself up for having a, a self view of some kind or another, or selfish attachments, or being attached to things, and and uh, so you get the kind of syndrome of of uh, improvement through punishment. Hmm. So this this is one of the demonic forms that when the uh, pressure builds up to 
we get the pressure of internal conflict builds up and the wish to to uh, to do good and to be to realize uh, more clarity or peacefulness you get this kind of pressure builds up and the whole thing splits into to me and my mind and then me and my practice and then we start beat ourselves up or something beats us up for it the inner tyrant is one of the demon forms so something beats me up by having a self <laughs> or having attachments and uh, you know and that that very creation is a, is a is a self, isn't it? The tyrant is a self, beating a self up for being a self. It, it never, you don't get, you just create more and more selves that way. At war with each other, my good self, my bad self, my, you know. So, so the, the that process is actually the pressurizing process doesn't remedy, and it creates negativity, and so the whole area of the heart gets tight and, and edgy and then we feel once we start to get tight and edgy we become more easily overwhelmed by experiences more touchy more nervous more irritable so the whole you know mind becomes uh, overwhelmed easily what I'm encouraging is a kind of quality of, of lightness which is not vague or fuzzy or uh, unconcerned but the sense of lightness, like you're holding something as a, a wounded quality to it, or damaged quality. So you don't want to drop it. You can't beat it up into shape. You can't twist it to make it stick it together again. You just got to hold it, let it let it heal. And this is I would recommend. This is a general, overall approach. You know, maybe times when you up the tempo or down it, but the general overall approach. Like that, because that 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 gives rise to a particular contact impression. So, and the contact impression, which is uh, imbued with kindness and with uh, calm, but with a sense of purpose. These contact impressions are so um, evocative, and of all the external contact impressions sights sounds touches and so forth the what really the real um, trigger is not them at all but the real the real you know linchpin of it is the internal contact impression that is what how my chitta resonates with that how I'm moved by that how it strikes me so sound sight touch, taste, thought, these are not by themselves um, causes of suffering. They'd they be conditions for it, but they conditions for it because they can condition an internal contact of feeling overwhelmed, feeling uncertain, um, feeling hurt, feeling confused, feeling aroused. And you get this internal uh, vibration builds up and then around that confusion the jitta then picks up its own confusion picks up the sense of being rocky or unsteady or, or vulnerable or ill at ease so it picks up that contact impression and then it 
feeds that back into itself. So it begins to resonate with one's resonances. <coughs> and so on and so on and so on. So it gets more and more complex as we probably get a glimmering of how how uh, re- reactive or how sensitive and charged one can feel in a meditation retreat when really, take to one level, nothing much is going on. But we're dealing with these, this very potent source of, of resonance and reverberation. We're touching that. And so, of course, sometimes it's just like, well, you think, well, phew, you know, this is too much, let me get out of here. Um, and perhaps there's some, some sanity in that. If it gets too, too overwhelming, then it's to kind of back <coughs> off and go for a walk or something like that. There's things that people do, you know. <coughs> but uh, if uh, to, to, to the best of one's capacity, I recommend uh, you know, trying to actually go into contact, but, but a contact that is uh, attuned to Dhamma, kindly, spacious, um, clear, clear. So you're bringing the quality of of that, uh, the, the resonance of the dhamma into the heart. So through all those <coughs> resonances which can certainly trigger off thoughts and memories and speech and actions and bodily, bodily senses, the bottom line of it all is this, the very fact of being resonant, of, of feeling you know, contact is built around perception and feeling and the most potent source of that evocative source of it is, is on this heart base. So there, there are the particular perceptions and feelings, these emotive senses that come up, irritation, uncertainty, so forth, worry, kind of agitations, and then there's the ability to feel. And uh, if we can attune in our meditation, going right to, not to the um, connecting particularly or too much to the quality of the feeling as much as the sense of being someone who can feel that so there's the the heat or the whatever it is or the or the churning or the uncertainty and then wh- wh- who feels that who senses that So this is one way of, because if we dwell upon the, the mood itself, wherever there's a tension and contact with that, then um, that amplifies. So when one dwells upon uh, a sense of, of turbulence, you know, that's where you place your attention, or, you know, that's where attention is drawn the contact impressions are generated around that one gets really turbulence becomes the main thing and so one resonates with that 
So if we can resonate with something which is more stable or peaceful, then we pick up that tune. It's like which which part of the band do you want to tune into, the drummer or the pianist? You know, so you can, they're all playing, or maybe you can just kind of go to the conductor. You know, which bit? So this is feeling really very disturbed. We go to this bit. Not to ignore it, but to find a place where one can get some sense of um, resourcefulness or stability. Mm. And then from that place of relative stability or well-being, oh, you know, pressure's off. We'll be a little more able to, to view things in perspective, to calm, to, to spread that calming influence, or to see something in perspective the basis of calm and insight. So I think I've been trying to give some suggestions on that, that kind of shifting attention, being agile about attention. Attending to that which is supportive. Mm can be breathing in and out. The naturalness of it, the ease of it, the rhythmic quality of it, the suffusive quality of it, is taking a deep breath out, letting the breath come in and filling all the way up. Can be walking up and down, the simplicity, the sense of being able to flow through things. Um, can be a standing, a sense of steadiness and groundedness with and finding that presence within the within the shifting range of, of perceptions and moods sitting with one's eyes open or even deliberately implanting uh, a steadying influence through the thinking mind mm. so deliberately thinking the mantra or covering the breath with the mantra. So breathing in the mantra bud, slow, long, spreading the word from the beginning of the breath to the end of the in-breath bud, and then all the way out and oh. So for that to be just basically jam the thinking system from its proliferations or fretting and you place something else there. Just listen to the sound of it. Listen to sense the energy of it, the kind of steadying energy of that. Because instead of having 15 thoughts that are at war with each other, you just have one long thought <laughs> that's kind of slow and, and steady. And, mm. Or the silence, something that gives you a sense of, of uh, stability, refuge. Because what the bottom line of the the um, conflict is that the disposition, fundamental disposition of jitta, is to find a place to be, uh, search for being, search for existence, for being something, for stabilizing, for nestling, for having security, to 
get into something and stay there, be held there. Mm. That's that's a kind of fundamental disposition, bhava. But actually, what is experienced is continual change. And as we meditate, we begin to open into the continual change of things. People change, one's moods change, the day changes, thoughts change, breath changes, energy shift and change, and there's this kind of, whoa. Uh, and so if, it starts to feel a bit rocky and, and perhaps frustrated um, or, or vulnerable. So normally speaking, the citta takes refuge in certain areas to establish a sense of stability. One of them is sense contact. Just get a steady something I can, the citta can kind of feed on, uh, you know, sense, sense impact. Being with something, reading, talking, um, listening to music, something you can kind of just lean on. Not necessarily unwholesome, but something there. You know, takes takes away that, that that sort of boundaryless feeling experience. Or very often um, that's backed up by uh, using systems and procedures or techniques, rites and rituals it's called, but it's really a, a way in which we use any conventional form as something that we seek stability through. So this is the kind of things that, that our jitta does. Um, so in, in ordinary life, you know, you've got your weekends and your weekdays, and at six o'clock you finish work, and this kind of, at this time, and you've got various structures and routines built in. That you know where you are, it's Tuesday morning. If it's miserable, you know where you are. And so that gives you some sense of, of, uh, of, of stability. Yeah. And in monastic life, we use a lot of uh, systems to create stability. So this isn't evil, it's just a fact of of life, if you like. Uh, And uh, uh, unless one's jitter is really developed, it won't be able to find itself feeling contented or stable without these things. Monastic life, when we reduce the sense contact, then it becomes, jitter tends to go much more strongly towards um, structures, um, uh, daily routines, and things of this nature, um, or establishing one's own routines. There's something grounding about that, unless it's you know. So this is just a kind of a fact of of life. Or with the other bases, it, it um, adopts various views ideologies, um, standpoints. So, this again, in, in uh, renunciate life, this becomes a very strong basis. We get a view or a standpoint about anything, really. This is right, this is wrong, this is clear, this is not, this is this, that, that, the other. So, uh, so a lot of uh, monastic life can be fraught actually with, with strong views and opinions and then conflicting views and opinions about things that perhaps in lay life you would think, well, so what? <laughs> Doesn't really matter. You know. 
what kind of colour your umbrella is, or when, when it's dawn, you know, <laughs> when exactly the moment of sunrise is. I mean, who cares? It's, you know, it's sort of around about this time. But then you can get really strong on these things. So you get various views, and these all give one a sense of being something or not being something else, or getting rid of something, the uh, impure or the you know. So it defines. And then the view of self. Mm. You know, this is me, this is happening to me, it's my fault, this is my practice, and so forth. This, this, uh, these, so these are the four bases where clinging occurs. And the last one, of course, is the most tenacious, and only a very, very fully developed citta will actually not need this. So these aren't things that we, we you know, do from a point of deliberation. They're instinctive. They're, they're kind of like things that the jitta just does automatically because of its fundamental disposition towards stability, security, selfhood. And you can't, you do, you can't just break it. Uh, but when it feels a certain sense of security and in itself, then you don't need that. Oh, oh yeah, well, that, that's okay. I can, that, that can shift and change, it's fine. Because the, the sense of stability has shifted to, into a place of, of knowing, knowing and wisdom. There's more than intellectual, it's a real composure of energy. You know, one, one center shifts to jitter itself rather than to these things that jitter leans upon. So it will always going to lean on something until it, that happens. So rather than, you know, one shouldn't be this way, it's important to acknowledge that yeah. as, that, as that occurs, whenever this occurs you know, one feels a bit frustrated about uh, a viewpoint or one feels irritated by a viewpoint or we're not, we feel wobbly because we're not entirely certain of the system or the technique so we feel a bit fretful about that okay. and just holding that experience, breathing in, breathing out, or holding the experience and being spacious, holding the experience, just generating some kindness and compassion around that, or just, or just holding the experience in space and not knowing anything. So ways in which we find that quality of, of holding, so that jitter in a way actually enter some of this kind of wobbly territory and it's through being held in that carefully so you know you come out of it through being in it in a way and coming to these places where one gets wobbly and reactive and then just stabilizing within that till if you like the, the, the wobble evaporates by itself It's rather like, you know, if, you, if you're a, you've got a child, you know, and the child comes into a, a room that's ill lit and it sees this kind of rope on the floor and thinks, oh, it's a snake, it's a snake. And it fr- frightened, gets frightened and freaks out and runs out the door. You know? And you, you say, okay, don't worry, but I'll get rid of that snake for you. You know, or don't go in the room. Well, it still, you know, hasn't learned that it isn't a snake. It's when you go in there, see the rope, 
and your dad comes and he says, just a minute, son, you'll be all right. Now watch this. And he picks it up and says, look, it's only a rope. Then, oh, oh yeah. You know, you, you, you heal out of that. So it's through, through being in, in those places and just stabilizing within that, the knowing the panic, knowing the agitation, knowing the, the anger. The mind tends to operate in these ways. We get hot, angry, or depressed, or agitated, or feel let down, or something like that. And stay with that. There's a resonance, and there's then. You know, how can I just, just sort of know, or hold, or receive that resonance compassionately? Breathe in and out. Breathe out. Slow it down. Be with that. So then, you, oh, that was that. Now, actually, I don't have to lean upon that one because I can lean on this one this one is called the knowing or, or the compassionate so you see you kind of find ways in which you don't lean on things that can't really support There's this kind of shift Simple, you know, thing you might one you just try or consider you know, is, is when the stuff starts flying around, or even when it isn't flying around, there's the question word, question word, who, 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 who is feeling this? And uh, it certainly helps if you, you, you know, you, if you're going to use that, you develop it in ordinary circumstances. So you're walking along, who is walking? Because it isn't referring to one's verbal faculties, you know, to come up with an answer. It's kind of trying to penetrate into the very sense of of me being here, any particular time. So when I stand still, and there's a tree in front of me, there's various experiences are happening. There's the pressure in the feet, or there's pressure. There's warmth. There's tingling. There's a visual experience the tree and every time this happens always I think the me bit is the pressure, the warmth I never think I'm a tree I never think that visual thing out there is a tree it's me what happens is I always interpret these sensations and feelings as that's me, this is the me bit actually there are just different experiences happening aren't there now this one is always mine, me. So just just noticing that. That's the me bit. You know, if one analyzes these things, then you say, well, there's a sensation, there's a feeling, there's an energy, there's a temperature, there's a rhythm. But where where did them? You know, what makes them? into a me, there are these things and so I look at the tree I can see a visual experience I don't call that one me though, do I? I look at this thing the knees and the hands, that's the me, that's me you know, so there's an immediate resonance there 
that, that resonant quality is the essence of it. And sometimes along with those resonances there's a sense of brightness or space, sometimes there's a sense of pressure or intensity, um, hunger, you know, wanting something, or some desperation, there's a whole kind of push in that. That's the me bit, it's all that. But it isn't a self, it's not an independent entity, it's something that shifts and changes. So using the word who, not to say I am this, but just to enter a particular territory of resonance. And notice how it is. And to be present with that. Making contact with contact. Making contact with contact. The kind of simple, open, unknowing, if you like. Gentle. That's, that's, that's that. We don't do anything about it. We don't try and get rid of ourselves. Or deny ourselves. Because the... You know, that that um, means you create a self that's doing the denying. You know, it goes like that, doesn't it? But it, when that when that contact is is spacious and uh, open and kindly, and then the intensity of the self you isn't generated. You recognise there's that signature, there's that sign again, there's that mood again, there's that. It's like that, and there's nothing one has to do about it. So our aim really is not to, is to, fundamentally is to, is to alleviate suffering, not to deny or affirm anything. That, you know, that's not the main aim. So we're not trying to de- deny some experience that's, that seems like me, but just not to have to affirm it uh, and firm it up. So through, through contact, moderating contact, so when we ask that question and let it, you know, drift or penetrate or like water trickle through to the core, trickle down and touch the underlying resonance. Okay, just to uh, practice at that place. This is where one needs to, or benefits enormously from um, being careful. We have this uh, conventional support of the ethics and the setup and so forth. But still, that, that is only a, a blueprint. Really, eventually, you know, that can all turn into other things. That can all seem to be cold or unfeeling or repressive or whatever, you know, because that internal contact impression is, is, well, is, is one's, you know, is intimate and karmic. So, you know, 
that whatever's placed outside by others or even you know can't really be a final refuge the real container or, or thing that supports us is generated of our own practice and to acknowledge that the jitta in order to develop this, you know, needs a certain sense of stability and a certain sense of well-being rather like a, like you want a, a chicken you want to hatch an egg you know you don't bash the shell with a hammer saying come on get out of that shell let go of that shell you you know grow up won't you but you, you don't smash it uh, nor do you walk away and leave it saying well it's all up to you get on with it but you the chicken sits on it so it's warm and protected and then the things happen by itself eventually in due course of time the you know the chick grows the chitta grows and it comes out of its shell and then it's time to leave the nest it flies away but it does it all in its own time as it gets the food and the shelter and the support it needs it does that naturally the chitta does it naturally you can't drag embryos out of their eggs and chuck them out of the nest see you know, this is how flying happens. I've told you all about it. Get out and do it. <laughs> it is not not so that you know, it's kind of what what actually is the warmth or the nesting that's needed, and then the time. And and there's and the Buddha uses this image himself, and he says it doesn't really matter what the chicken's thinking about when it sits on those eggs. You know, thinking it can be thinking anything it likes. Really, it doesn't sit there thinking, "Oh, please hatch, please hurry up and hatch. Why don't you hatch quickly?" That isn't going to make them hatch. Or it can, you know. But if it just sits there, with that sense of of the warmth and the covering, then those eggs are going to hatch. You know, they they got any life in them. very important to, to to hold the chitta to get in to open it up and hold it if it doesn't want to open up then just hold it where it will be held it, you know you can't don't it, it doesn't feel feel too too raw edgy to get right in there and just hold it in a safe space give yourself enough space around that it doesn't have to be a kind of open heart surgery experience um, so then, you know, one, in that sense of just knowing one's capacity to sit or to walk or to to um, aspire. So all the time you're still providing that. it's this quality rather than volition that um, nurtures
Chitta has its own volition, its own intention, its own energy. And what one begins to perhaps sense into more with more confidence as you get closer, as you hold it more closely is this uh, you know, the fundamental wish of the jitta is for a well-being, awakeness. It doesn't want to do harm. Um, it's loving. It's naturally loving. There's a certain radiance to it, natural loving quality. Because that's what feels most comfortable, most uh, appropriate, most uh, way of being with uh, uh, experience. So you don't, you can't force this stuff, and it's a great joy to 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 recognise that the sense of this uh, love of the bright, uh, love of, of what's kind and decent and skilful, aspiring. There's a natural quality there. Otherwise, there'll be no awakening. You can never awaken up from some good idea, this is what I should be doing, but from touching into an innate urge and uh, trusting that. It's often, for many of us, it's, gonna, it takes, uh, it's, a, it's a, not a straight line, because you have to go through these distorted layers of, of fear and compulsion and unskillfulness and not really knowing how to do it. It's kind of clogged. Um, this voice, this voice of the citta, gets distorted through the the residues we've laid down. So we come out with, um, you know, frustration that we can't be this way, or feeling pressurized, or comparing ourselves with others, or the splitting up of the citta into these kind of warring um, com- competitors and contestants complaining about ourselves, complaining about others, complaining about our complaining, and so on. And really underneath it all, the cry is just for uh, what's skillful, wholesome, peaceful, loving. So it's rather like when you, from from your deliberate intention is peaceful and loving and the jitta can kind of feel that you know, and its own quality is peaceful and loving essentially, then it, you can bridge these two across this swamp, this tangle so we apply it like that, another interesting analogy I think is in, in Japanese or Zen is that you know as, as the chitta ripens as the egg as the chick begins to ripen in, in, its, in its shell it starts to peck scratch the shell and then the mother bird starts to peck the shell from the outside you know, so these two, and it's rather like the one can hear the other one can sense the other. So from the outside one applies the sense of you're waking up, 
you're all right. Come on this way, come to the brightness. And inside is this kind of wish to come to the brightness, to wake up. And the two, you know, one is almost applying that quality deliberately. There's this inner hunger for it arising. And there's just where, where the two meet, you get this kind of perforations in the shell. And the sense of, oh, it's true. That's the way it is. And it's this this shell. And so, it can be so thick and so spotted and so confusing. And then if, when we when we are aware of that, you know, with, without dwelling upon it, but being aware of that, and then just dipping underneath, who 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 feels that? Who feels that frustration? Who feels that uncertainty? Who, who where's that happening? So you know, well, you're not ignoring it, but you're not feeding it either. You're seeing it in perspective of, of a larger picture of awakening. Mm. 